I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined as ever by Jason Daniels. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks, mate. I'm probably, uh, we've just been discussing up here, I'm probably a little bit fresher than you, having uh, a late night that you had last night and then that's going to work, whereas I've uh, I've had the day off. But um, what did you make, forget about the final round first, what did you make of the US Open as a whole? Um it's too easy to say that it was too easy yeah uh which it was at the beginning what did i make of it i don't know do you know what I mean? it's it's it won't go down in memory as one of the great ones um getting the result i i don't know what you want out of um a tournament i i don't think that unless they're really difficult like merion or or something like that i just think it's fine it's just another tournament I love, you know that I love them, like killing themselves over it. Um, yeah, yeah. So let, but you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea, and that's absolutely fine. Um, so, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it was a major. It was, it was the players knew it was a major. They played like it was a major. It was intense, like a major. I'm not that bothered about whether the crowd got involved. It doesn't. It, it's not what I'm watching it for. It's no. It's, you know what I mean? It's not. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's not like saying that. For example, um, well, no, actually, having said that, having said that, I suppose if you went to something like Cheltenham or something, and there was crowd was one fifth of what it is, and nobody was cheering and stuff. Um, but I'm not there. I haven't been to a USA, but I don't know what it's what it's like. I don't know how the crowd responded. So watching it, as far as I'm concerned, is a major. It just yeah. it wasn't as difficult as I like it. But then I'm I'm a like an arsehole. Um, <laughs> really struggle. I mean, the fact that if you if you you had to hit the fairway, and yeah, it, and the players will be better off, better judged than I would be on on how that was possible and and playing conditions as, as far as I'm concerned, a result was a result, and uh, how they played and it doesn't really bother me particularly whether it's the U.S. Open or or any other tournament, um, other than the sort of intense pressure that the players feel the rest of it i don't care yeah i think i think for me yeah i think the only real tournament i ever really think about that that kind of sticks out as a differential is always the masters because of how it's covered and i guess maybe a particular open championship if it's at st andrews maybe i mean i don't necessarily get quite into the golf nerd stuff about st andrews as others do but like it i think for me there was like a, a real attack on the golf course because there was 262 shot on Thursday. And I get that. But then that was basically almost the winning score in the end. Like it, it redeemed itself as over the weekend and USGA, USGA do this. They they toughen up over the weekend anyway. I think the only time you really get really hard ones now is when there's a bit of wind involved or bad conditions or whatever. Ultimately, the, the players that played the best golf were awarded and the ones that didn't, one like there was still people hitting ridiculous you know ridiculous scores i mean thomas was 14 over par rose was seven over par after day one like it was it was still tough like you know morikawa had to you know do well to make the cut and then climbed it with a good weekend like that's the characteristics of the u.s open i think so 
Um, yeah. You know, I, I, right. yeah, I don't. I don't play. I mean, I used to, not to mm. any particular level. Um, and I don't get what makes a memorable hole as far as a player is concerned. No. I don't know. I don't think they can. I don't think anybody's actually explained it particularly ever. But, you know, people walk around like, you know, they're the, 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 the all-seeing guy on golf um, and and say, you know, that wasn't a memorable hole. And then, and then the players come out and go, I hate this course. I don't like this course. I like this course, whatever. And I need to know why. I, I, you know, what do you want in a memorable hole? I don't quite get it. Yeah. So I get, if I, someone can explain that to me properly. Yeah. What is a memorable hole? As far as I'm concerned, if you hit a good shot, you hit the shot. You look at the 72nd hole last night, Scotty Scheffler hit it to eight, 10 feet. Yeah. Roy McElroy hit it to 45. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Wyndham Clark got up and down properly. What, yeah. you know, is that a memorable hole? Is that not a memorable hole? Why is it not a memorable hole? I don't understand. Is a, is a 340. 310 yard drivable bar for a memorable hole, uh, or, or uh, I, don't, I don't get it, I don't understand. So I, I, get, don't I get people's concern with like the 72nd hole last night that Wyndham Clark was able to hit it 50 yards to the right and land in the fairway, but it was a, it's a level playing field to everybody else. It's not like he had 50 yards of extra fairway, was it? Like it. It didn't really matter. So I get that everyone was like, oh, that was me so last year. He'd gone in. The, but not every course can have a stream running down the side of it for a start. <laughs> I think, I think, um, I, I, I do agree. He'd want a tougher final hole. But if that hole was number eight or nine or whatever, there, no one would have cared about it. It's just because it was set up on the second, 72nd hole and, and he was able to slice his driver and still win. If Roy McElroy had put it to three feet on, yeah. The seventy-second hole, it had been celebrated. But didn't no. Rory? Sorry, didn't Rory um, go so far left on whatever it was yeah, yeah. on one of the home holes that he landed on the second? Yeah, he purposely point. played it to the wrong hole. Yeah, so but, but haven't we seen tournaments like that all the time? You know, yeah. there's, there's some type. You know, you've seen DJ, you've seen people like that, Bryson. You know, they take an aggressive line, knowing the fact that if they're not making it, then they're going to end up on the seventh fairway. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, look, I, I plead naivety. I, I don't get it. And I, I, I think if you're going to make uh, uh, a tournament about finding fairways, you do need to make it difficult. Or you obviously make the wider part of the fairway back so yeah. that everybody is playing off the same, off the same spot. Um, and they've all got 200 and whatever yards to the pin, and you tuck the pin behind a bunker. Um, I know, and then someone comes out and says it's unfair, don't they? And, the only unfair thing of that tournament was uh, Gordon Sargent's putt. That was it. Yeah, that was horrendous. That's it. That was the only unfair thing. Was uh, yeah, everything, everything was fine. I think that I, I was really interested to see how people attack six, and even when it went wrong, they carried on with the same formula. Who, who laid up on it and whatever. Like, yeah, that's that, a, yeah, that's a good. I thought that was interesting. Like, I thought when people like it looked so obvious on Saturday, I think it was, that you should just flick a wedge in there and roll it back and people right. still weren't doing it. Um, I think that's interesting. I think that's an interesting hole. Um, but, but all the build-up at the start of the tournament was no one will go for it. It's impossible to go for it. And I was like, well, that didn't last very long, did it? I think probably the first person that teed off went for it. I, like, I, I, I still don't understand some of these drivable holes, why, people, why they go for it. I really don't. I think... Just don't believe know, in their wedge game, I guess. Well, you've got some, you know, best players in the world doing it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. Well, if you see Rory's 
third on that path. <laughs> it's not surprising. Um, anyway. Let, let, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room that is Rory McIlroy, I guess. I know that we're both harsh critics of him. I think it's probably the the, the nice way to put it. Um, but I was quite frustrated at 3.30 in the morning when it finally finished that the overriding sentiment was that had Rory McIlroy have putted better, he'd have won. Well, if my auntie had bollocks, she'd be my uncle, wouldn't she? Like, it's... It doesn't doesn't really matter, does it? It's it's irrelevant saying if he putted better. If he'd have putted better for the last ten years, he might have won a major. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it it's literally irrelevant. At the end of the day, what the way he played golf yesterday meant he Wyndham Clark had to make mistakes, and he did make mistakes. He made two bogeys over the last three or four holes, but but everyone was like, oh, you know, should he shouldn't get away with that drive on eighteen? Basically, because they wanted him to make a mistake so Rory could get into the playoffs. It, right, Rory, Rory ultimately didn't play well enough, did he? I, I thought it was terrible. I, I genuinely thought he was awful. Yeah. Um, the pattern was shocking. You know, when he was in with the chance, like we discussed the, the third shot, whatever it was, 14 or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that was it when when Wyndham Clark opened up a yeah. lead. Um, yeah, it was it was absolutely. I don't care wind came in. I don't talk shit. You've you've played one million of them shots in the wind, right? One million of them. Here is the chance. You've laid up. You've had to lay up. You've got 120 yards, right? And I'm not having a go at Roy McIlroy, right? This is why Tiger Woods was the greatest because yeah. he would never ever have done that ever. And this is why, um, you know. And and look, Scotty Scheffler, I'm sure we'll talk about soon. Mm. Um, is playing unbelievable golf. If he played, if he improved his, I, 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 please don't bring me up, Matt's people, right? But if he improved his putting by like, I don't know, two shots, uh, uh, you know, around, yeah. then he'd be, he'd have like a string of ones. Yeah. But they haven't, they haven't. And the fact no. is, McElroy should have won last night. He was tied for the lead after the first. I know they hadn't played the first yet. Uh, and he should have won. And, and, and there's no, I'm not knocking Wyndham Clark, obviously. Yeah. Um, Clark, you know, Wyndham Clark played his game. Despite being nervous, he played his game. Um, and he was great doing it. And he finished on 10. But McElroy should not have finished on 10. And that is it. That's the end. But we've said it too many times now. And and um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's hard to have a go at him, isn't it? But, well, he's so consistent. But... But the thing is, it, it, he looks like a player that's looking for his first major. He doesn't look like one that's already got X amount in the bag already. Mm, and that's fair. yeah, and well, ten years, but he is, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. I think he Sky sort of corrects me earlier when I said that. Like he's based, I think he basically said that himself. So I think he's aware of it himself. But like, so Rick Gaiman tweeted out earlier that no one has gained more strokes in the final round of majors than Rory since his last win. So that's from August eleventh, two thousand and fourteen, to present. So he's had 25 rounds, he's gained the most. Then it's Sander Shoffley, then it's John Rahm, then it's Paul Casey. Well, first of all, there's three of the four have never, you know, have, have not won a major in that span. Rory's won one, but not since then. Xander and, and Paul Casey haven't won majors. Um, so it's basically an irrelevant stat. And I, I basically put it in there that he's been in contention five times on a major Sunday since that 2014 PGA. And, and I've qualified in contention by within three strokes going into the final round. That was how I 
that was how I defined it. People define it a different way, but that was me. So that's the 2018 Masters. He was three back after 54 holes and he shot a 74. At the 2021 US Open, he was two back and he shot a 73. At the 22 US Open, he was three back. He shot a 69, but he lost by four. So he went further backwards. So it was 69. 2022 Open, he was the co-leader. Shot a 70 final round. And then the US Open, one shot back, shot 70. He's broken 70 once in the final round since 2014 when he's been in contention for a major. I can't fathom how you can play the golf he played yesterday, basically trying to par your way in, hoping that others made him start. Like, he made one birdie and it was on the first hole. Oh, that, well, he didn't try to par it. He was just was crap. I, I, I think he did. I, I thought he was defensive. Some of his putting was shocking. I mean, it's absolutely shocking. But but really, when you look at the, the strokes lost came from the four-footer that he missed and the nine-footer that he missed. The actual the actual lag putting wasn't that bad. I just thought he wasn't really close enough to even... How many times did you go on the screen and go, oh, he's got to make that? Like, he, he has to, like, that's that's a makeable putt. I think he, he... I can't remember when it was up because obviously it's been a yeah. hot weekend, isn't it? But there was a... And it went on and on. There was a thing that said he hadn't made anything over seven foot. Yeah. For 25 holes. Well, that obviously carried on till. That must have ended up 36 holes or something. Yeah. And that's that's really poor. That's really Yeah. But it wasn't but it wasn't like he was putting it to 10, 12, 13, 14 feet regularly. I think he done it like three times. And I get that you have to make one of those eventually to win a major, but it just felt like to me like we were focusing on the wrong like it was all very much IV putted better either one. I was like, that's not it's not how it works. Like he needs to the wedge shot. He should have put it closer, that's right. Yeah. Like and and when you you got to the 72nd hole and you're trying to hit a cut and you hit it like to 43 feet, it's not good enough, is it? It's just not like it's just simply not good enough. You said to me, like Scott Scheffler put it within 10 feet or whatever. You saw in the coverage earlier in the day, 16, 17, 18, all these tough holes, people were still making birdies. It was doable. So Fleetwood had a birdie part on the last, didn't he, to make to shoot 62. So I don't know. I just thought it was and then and then just as we were coming on. Jamie Weir tweeted, what makes St Andrews 2022 and LACC 2023 all the more frustrating for Roy McIlroy is that if you replayed the whole scenario out, I don't know what that says, out time and time again, he probably wins four out of five times. I don't agree with that. Because because if you're saying that, Scotty Scheffler wouldn't have been bad for all those four times, four out of those five times yesterday. Ricky Fowler wouldn't have shot five over or whatever he did. Uh, Victor you can't say that can you it's impossible to quantify yeah so it's, a, it's, it's a point of statement yeah i mean i thought there was some eye-catching efforts um and Rory mcelroy wasn't one no no it, despite the fact that he should have won it it certainly wasn't one of them it was yeah it was i don't know it wasn't it wasn't great was it but yeah i mean that happens that happens but like you say it's however many whatever it's 36 majors now whatever it is mm. um it can't keep happening. It just, I don't think he looked comfortable. There were other people that looked far more comfortable. I thought Cam Smith. Cam Smith was brilliant, yeah. I thought he put, he's put up a massive flag here. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think he put in the best performance he can possibly put in. A, he's not a US Open player, so he got away with it because that, that course allowed you to spray it a little bit off the tee. And I think if that was, if he was playing like he was this week, 
at Hoylake, I think he'd win it if he was in the form that he was in. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. DJ looked like he hadn't played proper golf for a while. Yeah. Um, Although he did, he did catch my eye a little bit when he was when he was kind of like six, seven under par. He looked like he was going to take a step forward, and then he kind of fell apart at the end. Um, but there was, yeah, there was, there was. I thought, uh, yeah, and, and that's all not taking the winner into account, sadly. Well, that's, um, and that's the thing. Like, here we are. Like, I'm guilty of it. I said it's frustrating that you know we're not talking about Wyndham Clark, and I'm not. But I, th- I think it's because, and and all credit to Wyndham Clark is the fact that he's made it boring in the end because he's he's not given up the the shots. Um, and look, he. He had one area of his game that was a complete weakness, and that was his irons. And this year, it's not. And he's won two events and two bloody big ones. So, well done to Wyndham Clark. Um, shame about Ricky, I thought. It was disappointing. Fleetwood shoots another 63 in a major. But then it doesn't really matter. Um, still a great feat, obviously. And then I was impressed with with a couple of other players. I thought Morikawa was great over the weekend. I thought uh, Eckroat and Henley were impressive. Cantley's... You know, he keeps fighting his way up there, even though he's mm-hmm. never in it. Backdoor, so it's all backdoor stuff, isn't it? It is, but I think I think for some players that's okay. Like for Henleys and the Eckroats and that, um, for the Cantleys, you want them to be in the mix, don't you? But there we go. Should we go into this week's win? Can do if you want. Let's do that. So we'll go over to the BMW International Open first. Golf course that we know well by this point. Uh, used to alternate. Uh, even an odd years, didn't it, originally? Uh, so it used to be this event, uh, this course hosted it in 2011, 2013, 2015, 2017 and 2019, and it's hosted it ever since. So the last three renewals have been here at um, Golf Club München Eichenreid, or whatever it is that you say. I'm not German enough to say that properly, and sorry to anyone that I've just offended. Um, the last three winners at this course since it stayed here, Andrea Pavan beat Matt Fitzpatrick in a playoff in 2019, Fitz Hovland beat Martin Keimer in 2021, and then House on Lee beat Thomas Peters in a playoff last year. Um, basically, the thing I noted this morning, I kind of looked at where Kurt Rossnett had designed other golf courses. Uh, he was responsible for the Mallorca Open, which we've got two years of uh, leaderboards to go by, and he designed all of the Swiss Challenge courses from 2010 to 2019. And all of the ones that they've used for 2021 2022 as well. He also designed the 2020 Italian Open course, Chervo, if people want to look at that. I couldn't find anything that I particularly liked about that. Um, but looking at the Mallorca link, uh, Ben von Dullinghausen was fifth here last year and second at the Mallorca Open in 2022. Waring's been 11th, 10th and 26th here. He was second at the Mallorca Open last year. Fox has been third here, fourth in Mallorca. Campillo, second in Mallorca, third, 15th and 20th here. So... I think there's a bit of a link. Yannick Paul won there in 2022. Jeff Winter won in 2021. And then the Swiss Challenge I'll get into uh, for individual players. But anything that you really honed in on this course in particular? A um, couple of things. Didn't yeah. matter if you played or missed cut last week. Um, okay. Thomas yeah. Peters was... Obviously, how tongue Lee no given knows what he's going to do. But Peters last year was going out of the US Open top 30. Um, uh, Martin uh, Hovland withdrew. For the US. I can't even remember why I didn't look it up. Um, no, Hovland withdrew for the US Open. Uh, Keimer, who was second, was 26th. Uh, obviously, Pavin didn't play it. Um, Stenson and Wallace. I know it wasn't this was on the other course. Stenson and Wallace actually. Uh, sorry, uh, Wallace missed the cut when he won at Club uh, Good or whatever it's yeah. called. Um, then you know, got Andres Romero missed the cut. So you can come off of that bit over playing well or missing the cut. It makes a difference that. 
it was difficult or or trying you still do very very well um the other things i like a lot uh it may be a class element but nevertheless peters fitzpatrick and hovland all very um uh, plenty of form in abu dhabi yeah. um, and when you look at the rags um so or i call them rags anyway how some lee who wasn't that particularly outside last year he was an all right form and uh andre pavan have both got form in china and rocco forte and you put that all together and there's an awful lot of linksy type um linksy type form involved um so i don't think strictly worried whether someone's coming into it in form but i do think having some sort of links pedigree somewhere along the line not sure how far you go back is quite sure. important um and there's various form lines that we might touch on in the next few minutes who knows Cool. There we go then. Right, let me let me summarise the total market. Then Adrian Moronk at fourteen to one, Rasmus Hoygaard at eighteen to one, Antoine Rosner twenty five to one, Germany twenty two to one, uh, Yannick Paul twenty five to one, Victor Perez twenty five to one, and then it's twenty eight to one and bigger the rest. Um, any eye catching ones for you at twenty five to one and shorter that you you attempted by Jay? Uh, well, one that should be twenty five to one and shorter, but isn't. Um, I like Moronk. I like Moronk a lot, but I'm yeah. back. One, uh, despite his obvious claims, uh, Rasmus, um, and this is you know, Ben's put him up, um, so he's probably win by six. But yeah, for me, he, you know, in his last 16 starts, he's let winning positions go at KLM, Raz, Nedbank, um, and at the French. And I know he won last year, but before that, he threw away the kazoo. I've got a problem with Rasmus when he won at the kazoo, he came from 15th place after three rounds. Um, I think there's an issue with him in contention, so I won't yeah. be touching him at the price for sure. Uh, we've all, we keep saying I think Victor Perez is. I mean, I might be saying this in six years' time. You know, hmm. I think he's he's so classy, but it's now becoming a bit dull trying to second guess him. Um, and then when he does win, he's, he sort of struggles to limp home. Yannick Paul's had a couple of chances and lately didn't really do it. So I'm struggling. And Romain Langesque, I'm amazed that he's. He's shorter than uh, my first bet, and I think the best bet on the card. Um, so there we are. So there's nobody at 25 to 1 that I'm going to look at. Now. Well, there you go. I, I felt the same about Langask, and I, I actually quite liked his chances, but was disappointed by yeah, the odds. Um, and I think we're probably going to talk about the same bet. So I'll let you go off first, and then I'll just add anything on. I don't understand why Pablo Rafael <laughs> is 33 to 1. That makes no sense. sense. I don't it's, really understand. it's not that I don't understand why he's 28 to 1. I don't understand why he's double the price of somebody like Rasmus Hogard. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand. I like Yannick Paul, and I know you're a big fan of Yannick Paul. Yeah. Uh, he is in my 12 to follow, but I still don't understand why he's a bigger price than Yannick Paul. No. He's, I think he's just as good as Victor Perez, certainly is at the moment. And my old mate Bob McIntyre isn't doing it, and he's the same price. And we've already spoken about Langas. Um, Takumi Kanaya could be anything, so I'm not sure where to go with him. But Pablo just uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, well, I think I think the thing with Kanaya, they're being defensive, aren't they? Because he's been brilliant in Japan, hasn't he, over amazing. the last few weeks? Um, so not I understand burnt, that when we tried to try to go with the home lot, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it didn't work, did it? So, no. so I'm not sure that 28 to one is particularly appealing. But yeah, Pablo, I mean, he's won twice in the over the last two years. Um, he was one of only three players to hit every fairway in the first round um, at the LACC over the weekend. 
not bothered about the miscut. We know, we know he's playing well. Mm. I'm not bothered about the miscut. It's not going to be his, his thing. He's not going to do anything. Um, I think there's plenty here, really. I mean, if we, if you go onto Tour Tips, um, Sandy does a summary of um, the most important aspects of um, of the winners over the last five years, um, and he fits every single one. You know, you had to be, you've got to be top ten. Or you, it's 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 uh, encouraging. Yeah. Have been, there's various types. I mean, he tweets it anyway, so it's fine. Uh, just lying under golf stats. So, um, Tita Green top ten in the last eight weeks. Yet, bang around the green. He's around the green. He's stunned. Um, you know, I think he's been top ten four times over the last few weeks in around the green. Um, he's, you know, he's got finishes up there all the time. Obviously, he's won. He's playing really, really well. He was tied fifth here last year after missing the cut of the US PGA and then at Green Eagle. Um, and I really like the um, Abu Dhabi link. Um, I really like the Abu Dhabi link. Um, obviously, he's won. That puts him in with somebody like Thomas Peters, who we know is um, not an Abu Dhabi specialist anymore, but he used to be, and now he's a whatever specialist. Hmm. Uh, or whatever he's going to be, because we don't know, do we? Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen? But um, he's an Abu Dhabi specialist. That works absolutely perfectly well for me. He's won at Abu. When he was second behind Tommy Fleetwood, DJ was second. Martin Keimer, who's obviously got massive form here, was fourth. But Wiesberg was fourth, massive form here. Uh, tied eighth was Lee Westwood, who's got top tens here. And next to Westwood was Henrik Stenson, who hasn't won here, but obviously won on, on this tournament at uh, whatever it's called. Um, great form there. Even go back even further, you go to something like Malaya, where, where um, or Malaysia, whatever you want to say it, uh, where accuracy is quite important. Um, he was third behind uh, Shvanka Sharma, who I actually think might be sneaky this week. Um, Sharma's got that side second and a seventh in Abu Dhabi. He's got a seventh in Turkey, which links him in with Haotung Lee. Um, Jorge Campillo was second. Ryan Fox was third. Ryan Fox has got form here. Um, I just think, I don't stand. He, he's won twice in the last four tournaments. He was playing well before that. He's playing even better now. Why is he, tr- I don't understand why he's, why he's 33 one. Well, so see, I was, I was kind of agonising. Uh, earlier in the day, I looked at Langas, Yannick Paul, Campillo and Larafa Bell. And I was like, I'm only going to take one. Otherwise, I'm going to take two and then not play anyone else, basically. And I didn't want to do that. So I was like, I'm only going to take one. And it's really doing my head in. And I'm just going to decide later. Uh, and then I got to, I don't know, kind of two or three hours before um, going on with Sky. And I just thought, well, I don't really know what I'm trying to think about here. Larafa Bell's won four times in the last two years. He's returned to a course he's won twice at. He's returned to a country where he plays incredibly good golf. He's got, you know, just unbelievable form even outside of the two wins. He's got third, 14th, 17th and fifth. He's consistently a factor. He's in the best form of his career, probably. Um, and, and what I was encouraged by was even in the missed cut last week, he was playing pretty well first round. Gained yeah. approach, gained an approach, gained off the tee. He had a really terrible short game, which is completely unlike him if you look at the last few weeks. So I think that just kind of returns to the norm. And when you think about these wins, I mean, like they sound pretty, you know, average when it's like my golf life open, ISPS Hander, a championship in Spain, career championship, KLM open. But when you look at the people he's beat, he beat Adrian Nelson, Jordan Smith in a playoff in the first one. 
then Ategi, then Heather Kildwin, then Ategi again. He's beating the top of the market every time. He's not he's not just beating the rags that have never been there before. He genuinely, outside of beating Joel Shulman, the Alfred Dunhill Championship, he's beaten Monty, Sergio, Rory and Phil, Henrik Stenson, Arnelson Smith, Ategi, Heather Kildwin, Ategi. He, he genuinely, there is no one, I don't think, in this field that can touch him in terms of just whatever that it factor is on a Sunday. Um, and he's just completely disrespectful. I wondered what it was going to take for him to come into a price. I thought it was this week he was going to come into a price, and he's still probably 15, 13 points bigger than I thought he was going to be. I genuinely okay. thought he was going to be third favourite. Yeah, I, I think he could complain if he was. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, look. I mean, he was sixty, I think, last time, wasn't he? Twenty-one. Yeah. I can't remember what he was the first time. Um, I agree. I, I don't know what you want. He's beaten all this field, uh, yeah. and he's in flying form, and he loves it here. So it's it's, it's 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 like no one says it's clever, but you know, you, you can you don't get marks for being clever. But I, th- I think I think that's the issue. I think people will talk themselves out of it because it seems too obvious. It's like, what's what's the point? Like, if if he doesn't win it. 33 to 1 or 33 to 1 or whatever, then so be it. He, he didn't have a good week at the tournament. He's won twice out, finished 4th, 7th, 13th, 14th, 15th. Like, I can't predict that's not going to happen when he's playing as well as he's playing. So um, I'll take the chance and, and go with it. The next one for me uh, was Marcel Schneider, who I talked about earlier having the, the Swiss uh, challenge for. He won that. Uh, it was, was his one win on the challenge tour. Won it by a decent amount, um, so I was really impressed. Well, sorry, it wasn't his one win, but it was it was his first win. He won by six strokes over um, Christian Crowe Hansen, and I was just really impressed with that. Then I looked at the fact that Kranz runs over quite a lot. Um, he's he's played well there. He's got a top ten finish in that one. Genuinely seems to be coming back to a little bit of form. Forty eight from thirty third last couple. Uh, he was thirteenth in South Africa a little while ago. Third at the Singapore Classic. So he's shown signs in and around the season it's just not been that consistent but I just I just like the way he's playing where he's playing he's played well um in the Porsche European Open he's been fifth and seventh before so we know he's good at playing at home he's got 15th and 20th place uh 20th place finishes here there is a concern that you know you're you're being asked to take maybe 20 points short because he's in Germany but this is a person that's you know got one win in 2018 and two wins in 2021 on the challenge door and he had a chance to win that Austrian Open during that COVID, or when we come back from COVID as well. So he's been in the mix multiple times. Uh, he, he likes his golf course. He likes the designer by all accounts. So Marshall Schneider for me, he, he was sort of 50 to 1. He's now 40 to 1. I think, uh, I think Ben put him up as well, um, which explains the market move. And then the other one I looked at was Ewan Ferguson, who I didn't get to in the end, but he would have been the other one, uh, 45 to 1. So first two for me, Larafa Bell and Marcel Schneider. And then the next one for me was Paul Waring, who obviously is a little bit of a favourite of mine. Doesn't ever seem to pay me back, so I might have to jump off at some point. But 66 to 1 for uh, Paul Waring. He's been 11th, 10th, 26th here. He's been 10th and 5th in his last two starts. 25th and 6th in strokes gain approach in those two starts. And 11th and 2nd in tee to green. And crucially, I really like the fact that he was second at the Mallorca Open, which, as I've said, has been the same course designer. So Schneider and, and Waring for me in the middle of the pack, Jase. Uh, no, I mean, I looked at um, uh, Loughton. Yep. Uh, playing really, really well at the moment. I can't trust his short game. He's gone back to being fantastic, T. Green, and then, and then an absolute muppet with his short game. 
So I had to leave him out. I looked at Callum Shank win again. I, I do think there's a little element here. Um, it's very sporadic, isn't it? But he's got the fourth in Dubai, a top 10 in Italy this year. Uh, had a wrist injury. This was interesting. It's irrelevant for this week. I just liked it. Though. Right? <laughs> he had a wrist injury last year. Um, and even with the injury that flared up, he led after round one of the Sudal Open. Now, he led that with Dale Wintnell, who's just won. Alviro Kiros was fourth. Alviro Kiros was brilliant um, in Sicily. He like links God, Alviro Kiros. Um, Tung Lee was third to Kiros, right? Yeah. Andre Pavan was <laughs> top 10 to, um, well, yeah, this is lovely, right? To Lager Gren um, the year after. I'll try to find Lager Gren here as well, which I was about to be like a million. Um, so anyway, blah, 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 blah. And that, that came into to my sort of links thinking. And then the actual winner of the Sudal was Sam Horsfield, who had a top top 10 here uh, behind uh, Hovland, with Ryan Fox in second. There you go. Now, I don't know where that takes you. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> no, seriously, I don't know where that takes you. But the only thing it does is justify my thought that, it, that, it's, that it's, I've got to find a bit of Link's pedigree somewhere. Um, yeah. In what I think. But anyway, cut long story short, I'll be very, very brief. Basel scene was, um, was again, this is, I mean, Pablo is, for me, way and above the, the, the play of the week. Yeah. Um, but I like scene. I think if you can find a, a, a price. Um, we all love Basel scene, don't we? We do. Everybody love him. Yeah, so obviously back to form in India um, after playing really, really well. Uh, Singapore and Thailand over there in Asia. Um, again, um, Italy, he was going far better after three rounds and his 78 completely messed him up. Opened up with a 65, amazingly, at Sudal, right? <laughs> I know Sudal's getting there. I might have to look at this Sudal. <laughs> right? Opened up with a 65 before again. Letting it go completely, but it is Marcel Marcel scene. You know what you're going to get. Um, played okay at the KLM again. It was two rounds of rubbish, and then he came back to Germany last time. Loads of room. He's not the longest hitter in the world, but I, I, that's what I took. I thought, well, you had Green Eagle, which is a bomber's paradise, really. Um, he he's not particularly, um, you know. I mean, he can hit it, um, but I thought it was coming back to Germany that got him the runner-up. To McKibbin. Yeah. Um, and I thought, again, he's had a couple of weeks off. He's back at home again. He's in form. Um, it was it was on the mark as to whether I I backed him, but um, yeah, I thought, why not? I, you know, again, I, I I want somebody that's in reasonable form. Um, and again, you've got Marcel, you know, Richard Mansell, who doesn't win. I'm a massive fan of Ewan Ferguson, but you know, I'm not I'm not going this week. Um McKibben, we missed, didn't we? But it wouldn't surprise me. I think uh, he's going he in again. Wants... He will go in again. I'm not sure it'll be here. Um, very possibly. Um, yeah. I think he'll win again. Yeah, I think he's going to be top five in Europe, isn't it? Very, very soon. Which means he's going off, then it, to wherever it is they're going off to, because nobody knows. Hmm. Uh, and then you've got Zanotti, who, are, you know, we're all, we all love, but my God, you know, he doesn't win tournaments. No. Uh, Matthew Pavon, he doesn't win tournaments. You know, we're starting to get a bit there. So I thought Marcel Steen, winner, um, sexy player, back at home. I'll have a little bit on. Yeah, like it. A uh, bit of a conundrum here for me now. I tweeted out about Frederick Lacroix, 100 to 1 this morning. He's now 66 to 1. Um, he was my favourite pick of the week, and now it's just getting to a price where it's difficult. Um, but I'll give you the spills to why 
and you can make your mind up whether you want to go 66 to 1, knowing that I went 100 to 1. Uh, so he's 5th and 12th in his last two starts. He's coming back to a course where he was 10th last year on his debut. He was 8th and 15th in tee screen in his last two starts, and that 5th uh, in the last two starts was at to the Porsche European Open, which is obviously in Germany as well. And that was his tied best finish on the DP World Tour and the best one by OWGR's ranking ahead of one of the events in Africa. He's also had a fourth place finish at the Swiss Challenge, which is the same designer I mentioned earlier, and that backs up into um, what I spoke about with Marcel Schneider. So there was an awful lot for me that I liked about Frederick Rafori. I, I don't think I could, you know, really say 66 to 1 is. If he was still 80 to 1, you can get that somewhere, I'd take it. Um, I did say, you know, 100 to 1 this morning. So um, I'll let people decide what they want to do there. I do I do still think he's got a great chance. So up to people whether they want to go 66 to 1 or not. Um, and then for me, my last picks, uh, is it picks or just pick? One more pick, uh, Alejandro Del Rey. Jason, we've, we've spoken about it a couple of times now. Um, yeah, I just... I just was really encouraged by, one, how he played in the US Open in the first round. He was 14th after round one, obviously faded away. First ever win on the Challenge Tour, and the only win so far was in Germany. He was fourth at the halfway at the KLM before finishing 39th, and he was 19th going into the final round of the Porsche European Open, where he again finished 39th. So he's having a bit of a problem finishing tournaments off, but he feels a little bit like Nick Backham, uh, in the sense that he could just win after putting a few flashing rounds together, uh, who won at 125 to one. And when you, I think he's basically Nicholas Norgard, Moller, and and Wilco Nineaber, and they're kind of whatever they are, 40 and 15. He's 100. I'll just take a chance on him because uh, I think he's basically the same player and could ultimately end up being better. The US Open thing, as you mentioned earlier, doesn't really bother me. Uh, Wallace and, and Hovland are both won from withdraws and missed cuts. Hovland missed, uh, withdrew with that eye injury, didn't he, when the, the sand went in his eye? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just look that up while we were chatting. So that was what that was. Um, so there was obviously nothing really to worry about. But, um, yeah, so that, that was where I was. Uh, really excited about the Croy at one point, but the, the price has come in. So Alejandro Del Rey remains my, um, my triple-digit bomb. And then there was one person that came second in one of the Swiss challenges. I thought you might be someone was Joel Jong Wong Ko. I know you like him. Uh, he was 100 to one. Could be interesting. But give us your three remaining bets here. Yeah, they're 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 very speculative. Hmm. Uh, Xander Lombard, the raving yeah. screw that never ever wins ever. <laughs> um, I mean, he really came into it just because I was going through that Rocco Forte stuff. Yeah, um, which I, re- I I do really like to be honest with you. Um, and uh, you know, you've got to go back long enough before most people are born. Um, but when you look at it, yeah, Xander Ross, I'd say, was second to Kieros. I remember that, I actually remember that tournament 2017. I remember watching it, and he, th- he threw it away, obviously. Was that the first time they played it? I think it's the first time they played at uh, the Darn, is it, or whatever it's yeah. called? Um, Kieros was brilliant, but Xander Lombard did throw it away. But I just it caught my eye, as I say, just because got Pavan, you've got Dodo there in the top 10 in 2018, and the year before that you've got Hao Sung Lee. Uh, you know, um, I know Lee was going to be, I mean, interestingly, Pepperell was, was fourth. He's got a chance this week, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, and, 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 like, you know, it, I, I wanted something to justify this Link's thought. <laughs> I think I think I'd probably do that every week. Um, Martin, who's very, very quiet now on Twitter, 
Um, he used to pick me up on it all the time by saying I lived in <laughs> Portugal. But, you know, hey, yeah. <laughs> um, look, earlier this year, Xander was second at Raz. Um, he was in front of Moronk. He would now, nah, here we are, I like this, right? Uh, yeah. he, he was also second to Bjork in China, and that links in Pablo, Sharma, uh, and uh, who else have we got in China? Can't remember who else I said earlier. Um, but it links in a few of them anyway from China. I'll write it down when I actually do the bit. Um, so I, I really, I really like that form with six in Singapore, which is a fantastic effort. And his form here, it's it's Xander Lombard. Nobody knows what he's going to do. But he's got those rounds. He's got the 69. He's got, you know, he's got the 60, 67, 68. Um, it's purely speculative that we actually find him on one of the days. You know, I mean, you look at something like, you look at it here. So um, in Belgium at Soudal, he found nearly seven shots to green, ranked 14. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A couple of weeks later, he's uh, losing eight and a half shots and ranked 76 at Green Eagle on a course that actually suits. Um, mm. I've got absolutely not a faintest idea what he's going to do. I just thought in the context of the heat and the fact that there's quite a few up front that I don't want to be with, I'd be happy, you know, to... Uh, I'm not necessarily saying I'll take 70, but I think if you can get 90 and 100, I think I think that's fair enough to nick, try and nick a place. He's done it enough times this year, to be yeah. fair. You know, you would have got paid out uh, four times this year. So if you can get 90 or 100 or one, you know, that'll do. That's him. Um I don't know if Sky put this up because obviously I haven't heard the podcast yet. But he put Guido up. He did he not. Didn't put Guido up. Now, Guido, just again, it's speculative because I don't. It's a bit like we mentioned Schickman earlier, didn't we? I think Schickman's injured. Yeah, mm. I've no idea if, um, if if Guido is as well because he seems to have. He had that little spell where he came back, looked yeah. like he was going to kick on. Um, you know, done it. Uh, ISPA. I don't know where he was after three rounds. He was top ten, wasn't he? Easily. Um, in Japan, and then he followed it up with that really fast finish in 63 in Korea. Um, Italy wasn't great, but he just thought, okay, he's back. Um, I, I'm going to forgive him because he's had um, a, a week off since uh, Green Eagle, um, and the best of his form is works for me. You know, obviously his best ever is the fourth at the U.S. Open. Yeah, uh, I quite like this actually because he was fourth at the U.S. Open, and some one of his best efforts over the PGA Tour was 13th at Travelers. So if we're going to go by, um, and Ian used to do this a lot, the old rhythms. Yeah. yeah, if we're going to do that, it you know the, the fourth at the Open and and third at the Travers works for this time of year. Second at Qatar, I think we were all on in Qatar when he got beat by Rosler that sixty foot putt. Fourth yeah. at Barn works for me perfectly well. Um, tenth in Turkey brings him up behind uh, with um, Hao Tung Lee, and you've mentioned Crans. He's got that top tens at Crans. Um, it's like that most of these speculative ones are there because they've done something in the year. It's about how much they, they return to fall. Um, it's very likely that, that well, actually, I don't know if one of the top of the market will win. Yeah, that's what we've got on the rap about. Well, the rap about. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm quite happy to take that chance with the weeder. I think, ah, that was the point. Uh, that was the point. I'm trying to think what it was. Karen talking. And I'll take the point. Oh, that's it. That's it. No, keep going, keep going, and I'll, I'll come back to you in a minute. You say same. Yeah, I was going to say that, like, the, the one thing I did hear about distractions wise that maybe he took his eye off the ball, apparently his partner works for Liv and he was the next side in for Liv. That was the rumour, apparently. 
that's what that's what was, uh, that's what Sky said on the podcast, and that was what was discussed on the shotgun start. And maybe that was a little bit of take your eye off the ball before all this sort of transpired. I don't know, um, but we've oh, seen it affect really? others in the past, so it could have been that. I, I like that. I, I do like that. That's um, I like that. Yeah. There's a there's a link to Rinkvin, and I'm trying to find out what the hell I wrote there. But anyway, <laughs> it's something to do with Darius Vandriel and Vandriel's got ball here, wasn't he? Yeah, he's top ten in, in uh, How Tang Lee's year, wasn't he? And he got beat four shots by um, by Guida. Anyway, I know I don't know why I treat him like horses, but it's, it's worked for like the last you know 25 years, so I'm going to carry on doing it. It works. It might as well. Well, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't at the moment. I feel like I'm banging in against a brick wall, but <laughs> I'm the one who put Wyndham Clark up for a top 20. And, anyway. and the only other one was uh, Shabanka Sharma. Yeah. Who's, uh, uh, obviously, um, I've put him up about five times this year, I think, Sharma. Um, been really encouraged with a couple of his performances. Um, again, there's, we've already discussed it, those links through um, Abu Dhabi and Malaya and stuff like that. Um, I've just, I, I, there's just been times again. It's a bit like Guido, a bit like Xander, um, where he's he's performed well again. Another top ten um, at Abu Dhabi earlier on in the year, um, and he carries on. Twelfth at Saudi, thirteenth in India. Um, not that long ago, sixteenth at the KLM after opening the sixty-seven. Um, Scandy mix, I think I put him up as well. But he's he's very accurate. He should be able to find himself. Uh, I think he's got to improve with his irons. They seem to have gone quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I just thought at the triple figure price, I, I think he's overpriced. Um, that's where he's losing it. We'll see what happens. I, again, they are they are pretty speculative, but, you know, they're, they're big prices. Who cares? The other one I just wanted to mention was Lucas Biergaard. He's 401. Made a couple of cuts, didn't he, recently? Oh, no, he's been shit. Um, I, thought, I thought he had actually made a yeah, couple made of cuts. Yeah, he's made a couple of cuts, but I mean... We, we actually put him up when he was second at big price to was Jeff it in Northern Ireland. Was it? was it in Ireland or was it to Jeff Winter? Uh, maybe. Oh, I know. We, we, I think we, it might have been, no, that was it. He he had like a top 10 or something in Northern Ireland, but we didn't have any strokes gained stats. And then we put him off the back of that and he, it must have been where he finished second. Okay, fair enough. Um, I just want to mention him. I'm not going to back him because he is playing like. He was a uh, he was in fourth place going into the weekend at the Cascada Golf Challenge last week. Yeah, big bananas, right? <laughs> but again, he he comes up because of I hate to say Rocco. I'm really hoping that somebody somewhere for the Rocco Forty does something this week. <laughs> but 400 or one, I thought you know what, he's going to be like a thousand on the exchange. Yeah, give him a give him a bit of lunch money on yeah, there. Yeah, 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 no, whatever. Yeah, find a pan in the street somewhere, wouldn't you? That's it. And use it on that. I reckon that's responsible. Um, look, I think I think that ultimately those that group of players at the end there that you mentioned with with Migliozzi, Sharma, and um, it was the final one that you mentioned that I've missed out. Uh, it was it was just Migliozzi and Xander Lombard. I think they're just I think they're you know they're all kind of triple digit plays in a field that as you said at the start of it all we're we're opposing the top of the market and you've got yeah. players like. I don't know, Henny Duplessis has not really done anything in a while. Scott Jameson never wins. Um, I know Eddie Pepper was playing better, but still, meh. Sonotti definitely doesn't win, 50 to 1. But why am I going to take 50 to 1? Even, even though there's this each way value built into it, 
Um, it's not if they're not placing, which they're not. So um, Luke Donald's 80 to 1. He's shorting all three of them, by the way. Um, well, that was interesting. Yeah, I think we're ch- we are chasing um, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Yeah, I, I, I know, I, you know, I couldn't be confident that there's loads in there, isn't there? I mean, Hurley Jong is a better player than that. Um, Coe's a better, you know, been playing well. Rafa Cabrera-Beo, now he's got... No, I thought that. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was the one, maybe, at 100 to 1 that you might have mentioned, but he hasn't played great as either season. No, again, again, they they come from nowhere here, don't they? So, yeah. um, he's got, mate, yeah, he's got superb um, correlating form. So, it wouldn't surprise me that he does something. Bit of hidden form of him as well. 20th in Kenya, but he was actually 12th going into the final round. He was 56th, uh, 58th the next week. He was 10th going into the final round. He was 23rd at the, where was that? Uh, the ISPS Hander in Japan. He was 7th going into the final round. He was 40th at the Italian Open. He was 8th going into the weekend. And then back-to-back 44th place finishes where he wasn't really in the mix at all. So there's a little bit there, um, if anyone likes Rafa Cabrera-Bello. But. Yeah, there's, there's plenty there. You could, I mean, I could have easily put him in. Yeah. Mm. Should we go over to Travellers then? We've got... <laughs> Scotty Scheffler at seven to one, clear favourite. John Rahm eleven to one. Rory McIlroy twelve to one. Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay twelve to one. I was tempted to just put up Xander and Patrick Cantlay, thinking they were the ones that played right last week that got themselves out of the mix pretty quickly, and both love this tournament. And then I decided to go against the whole of the top of the market. But give us the reason why you think it might be worth going into Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, if she took seven to one last week, you might as well take seven to one this week. Okay. Just the just the best player, isn't he? I mean, yeah. he's, just, he's just the best player in the world at the moment. Um, you know, you can make whatever reasons you want. We know we know why he's not doing it, but it's not as if he's like you said quite rightly. Um, Rory's not doing the putts, but he's not giving himself. I mean, I haven't looked at the prop stats to be honest. Yeah, um, but then they're difficult because you get different size greens. But you, you know, there's so much about, isn't there? Yeah. Um, his average finish in his last six starts uh, is fourth, I think. Um, driving distance, he, he's in top five, to green top three, approaches top five. What do you want? You know, it's just it's just a magnificent display. And even when he's not at his best, this is what a champion is. This is what mm. Tiger used to do. Is even when they're not at their best, somehow they make a top five. You know, you look at someone like John Rahm, and I've got no problem with Rahm at all. But when he's not at his best, he does bomb out. Yeah. Sheffield doesn't bomb out. Um, you know, twenty maybe he's cut in twenty twenty, he wasn't even the player he is now, missed the cut. Twenty twenty one is eleventh at halfway, um, before finishing um forty seventh. And then last year he went through the rounds thirtieth, twenty fourth, eleventh, and thirteenth. Just a quick one, Russell Knox yeah. says that an early tea time is huge. Okay. So I haven't Just... looked at the I haven't looked at the, the things, uh, but but Knox says that, that an early tea time the course is so much easier. Um, so if that's for anybody anyway. Um, I, I, like, I'm not even bothered looking at correlative form because Scheffler turns up and Scheffler's great wherever he goes. Mm. Um, and and that's my honest view. I, I could quite easily just say, I might just do Scheffler and Varetha each way double or something. Um, but that, that was my point. If you backed Scheffler last week at seven, I've got no reason why you wouldn't back him do it again. here at seven again. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. No, I agree. Like you're willing to take a chance in the major championship, take a chance in a non-major championship. Simple as that, isn't it? Um, didn't have any course forms go by it last year. Look, 
Mr. Sheffer is. He doesn't look disappointed that he's. I mean, I know he's won six in like whatever it is a year or whatever, but he doesn't look disappointed. Whereas the others do. Yeah, I'd struggle to back. Well, I think he's got. I think he's got the asterisk of oh no, I'll win another couple of these in the next couple of years. Whereas the others don't believe that, and that's probably the difference. I think there's only one seven or one left now. There's thirteen or two, but um, I think I'd. Although it sounds silly, you can have. You can have two of either Ra, McElroy, Zander, and Cantley, and I'll have Schuffler. Schuffler. Yeah, Schuffler, Schuffler. Yeah, it's called that. <laughs> um, no, I agree. Um, Victor Hovland, I just can't keep going back to the well. I thought it was disappointing over the weekend, but it's creeping out to 20 to 1 around exactly. yeah. Yeah, eight exactly. points bigger than others. So I thought it was weird. Um, Morikawa, I'm not sure if he's fit. Fleetwood doesn't have the win equity, so that kind of ruined those picks for me. Um, so the first one I come to, who was a massive, he was about 55 to 1 earlier, he's now 40 to 1. Russell Henley, I I just think he's the, I mean, I put him up at 60 to 1 in my odds check, I think, the, the American odds, but um, I just think his form is incredible and actually going under the radar a little bit. He's 14th last week. That added to 16th place finishes at Colonial Memorial, and it actually looked like he was going to finish 16th, and I thought I was going to be able to make my joke about the, the Hideki thing all over again. Um, he's missed one cut in the past nine events, and that was at the PGA. To counter that missed cut, though, he was 19th for the players and the Heritage and 4th for the Masters going into that. So he was in great form going in as well. It's not like he's just uh, found this form, if you like. And his course form, is there's definitely a little bit of that hidden form that I like to talk about. So he's been 6th, 11th, 19th and 32nd at this golf course. But in 2016, when he made his debut, he was the 36th hole leader and was second going into the final round. Two years later, he finished 6th and he was second after 36 and second after 54. When he was 19th in 2021, which is the last time he played, he was third after 54 holes and only one shot back as well. So clearly he can't put four rounds together here yet. But I just, I just think about Henley, and I, I just think back to that uh, Maya Cobra effort earlier in the year, where he just completely blew away the field, which is something that he threatened to do for a little while with his ball striking. Um, I just thought that was fantastic. He was also within three of the lead at Memorial. He's now added a 14th place finish at the US Open to a fourth place finish at the Masters. If anything, he's returned to a golf course he clearly loves, and yeah, I just, I just trust him more than I used to. And I still think the 40 to 1, 8 places, is, there's plenty of value in it. So it is his off the tee game that needs to improve. But I think when you return to River Highlands, where there's not so much pressure off the tee, and you can probably put a better performance in based on that confidence, um, I like him. So it was uh, Russell Henley was the first one for me to take on the favourites. And then we both agree on our next pick, which is Tom Kim, who is 45 to 1 eight places i'll give my spill on him and then you can add in anything that's probably a little bit more impressive than what i've put together but (laughs) i just like i just i was really surprised he played so well last week he's had a bit of a lean spell um and then when i looked at it he was fourth in the field in terms of strokes gain approach gained over 7.7 strokes uh, for the week in that department it was his short game that actually led to him missing two cuts going into the US Open anyway, and it also prevents him finishing higher than 23rd at the Wells Fargo. So whilst I just had it in my head that he wasn't playing very well at all, it was just those that little area of his game that was really lit down. And I think you can find that. And also thought about this earlier, Jason, I don't know if you agree, like we know Tom Kim as someone that's come a little bit late on the scene and managed to pick and choose his events and won like the Wyndham and the Shriners. 
for this season, he's had to play all these big boy courses. He's not the longest off the tee. I think sometimes he's just been caught out that like he's probably not capable of contending and winning everywhere. He's I think he's like a almost like an elite JT Poston if you like or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when when I looked, like he's he's played well. He's obviously won the Wyndham that I just referenced there, and he was third at the Scottish Open, which is something I like because Xander won there, Cantlay was fourth, and Spieth was tenth. And I know that that could just suggest that they're the best players that are playing the Scottish Open, but could also suggest there's a little bit of a, a link to it. So I went with it. And that 45 to 1, I'm, I'm happy to take a chance on Kim, who hit the ball really well last week. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got, like you say, I'm not worried about his debut. Having won the window in the Shriners, where he's held off Kenley brilliantly. Obviously, we were on, so that's even better. Um, and it does. It was, it was an absolute eye catcher last week. Um, I didn't think calls were too in at all. No. last week so so for them I mean obviously he was flying so he took he got that um a lot of the coverage in the early on yeah whether it was Saturday when it, when it was Friday Saturday um yeah I, I agree with you his tee to green game is generally absolutely fantastic in his interview which I, I got up and I can't find now in his interview after he's now really confident again uh, good um the average is round about 13 driving actually, which will work here. Um, that's with the US Open, Byron, and that Wells Fargo take into account. Um, who was it who said it? I think it was Bubba and, and DJ who both said that you have to be in the fairway here. Yeah. You'd expect Tom Kim to continue finding fairways here. Um, he's been 17 driving actually, Augusta second at Players and 16th at uh, the American Express, obviously. Players and American Express both have Pete Dye. Pete Dye, um, yeah. Sensation. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I thought last week, I, I, there are another couple that caught the eye last week, and you can be in danger of, you know, taking that a bit too, uh, a, a bit too high, especially at US Open. It's it is different. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think this course is it works for me for him. It's Tita Green. I I I think I like your description of a or an HAT poster, because um, hmm. we have got the John D coming up. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. I like that. Good. And then the next one, I guess, in who sort of maybe caught your eye over the weekend a little bit, Sahith Agala, who trying to return after finishing second year last year. Finished second last year, made his uh, PGA Pro debut as well at River Highlands, uh, hmm. was it two years ago? It was two, three years ago. Um, the thing with Thigano is he doesn't actually do anything exciting. Nothing he does leaps out of the page of here. If you just look at figures, you would just do what you say, which is I would be 22nd every week or something. Yeah. Um, and that is that I actually think is an amazing thing about Thigano. Because um, I think about him and I think, you know, when he's playing well, his, his approach thing stats are going to be magnificent. Because he is. I mean, when, when he's got his irons right, um, obviously, he led the Sarsen uh, Farms over 54 holes uh, a couple of years ago. Um, should have won Phoenix. He was naive then, wasn't he? Yeah. Led for three days before finishing third. Nothing wrong with having that Phoenix form at all. Um, his top efforts are really good. Um, you've discussed the second year, third at Phoenix, 10th at Augusta, 5th at Heritage. That works. 6th yeah. at Genesis, Riviera. That works here. 4th at Farmers. That works here. You only have to look at somebody like Mark Leishman. That we used to put up every year before he got old and crap. Hmm. Um, so, so the very best of his form puts him right there in this. 
Um, and yeah, last week again, was it third round, second round, second round, wasn't it? Second round last week again, he really caught the eye. Again, I wasn't particularly. I know a few people put him up last week. It wasn't wasn't particularly attractive for me last week. No, but doing nothing wrong. When's the last time he, he, he hasn't missed a cut this year? Um, there's, there's, the Gala's got a lot in him, and um, he was the one at the beginning of the year uh, that I thought if he wanted to bank on somebody winning, it will be him. Um, I mean, I know he won the. Uh, was it Tom Hoagie, wasn't it? He was yeah, uh, the QE thing. When he's when he's irons, his irons are magnificent that week, right? When his irons are on, he, he's going to just pepper the flag as he has as we've discussed at some of these other tournaments. Uh, 51, I thought, after last week was fair. They've moved with Tom Kim because he's a sexy player and because he's won. And I don't think they've moved necessarily with the gala. The, so, good, um, the good news is there's a, there's a 66 to one with eight places as well at William Hill, so even oh, better. Yeah, um, I like that. And the, the one thing I said about the gala, so I was a bit concerned going into the US Open that his off-the-tee game was really bad, and it wasn't. He still lost strokes in it last last week at the US Open but I think that you do need to gain strokes so so this is a really weird concept you do have to be good off the tee here to play well but I think it's easier to be good off the tee here because it's not as long and demanding so if you're if you're good and you can play it both ways you leave yourself with with nine iron and wedges at every hole yeah Bubba Watson's description if you've ever read it um on this course is magnificent it's if you've never read it read it it basically goes First hole driver wedge, second hole wedge, third hole wedge, fourth hole wedge, fifth hole driver wedge, sixth hole or whatever it is, yeah. And and, and it, that's what he says. He's uh, you know they've all said it. All the major winners that have played here, that have done well here, all say drive it in a fair way. You'll leave yourself a wedge. Yeah. Obviously, you don't want McIlroy, you know, talking <laughs> yeah. all your money. But um, you know, it's it's yeah, as you say, it's a classier John Deere, isn't it? Yeah. And he, and he was really good with his irons last week. He, he gained around the greens and on the greens. Uh, he's gained in approach in his last five of his last six events. It's just that off the tee that put me off a little bit. But interestingly, he just seems to be that player that's playing well on these shorter courses. And I actually expect him to compete on bigger ones. But I don't know if that's just because he looks like a massive big unit that hits it quite far. And actually, that doesn't always transpire into being good on big golf courses. So, um, yeah, maybe just categorising correctly and you, you'll pick him in the right place. <laughs> he's showing you where to play in it. I, I think he's he's got so much in. I still think he's green as grass. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I still think there's there's plenty to like about him. Um, so I, I was looking at Harris English. Yeah. I'm really intrigued by Harris English because I it's tough because last week he did it all with his putter and that's what put me off. He gained massives on his putter and was poor with his irons. But I just think back to, he was third at that 2021 uh, USA Open, was he, at Torrey Pines, and then came here and won. And then he's eighth last week, similarly, like, contending enough to suggest he's playing well, but not so much that he's kind of stressed. Third at the Wells Fargo, where he's brilliant with his irons. Twelfth at Colonial, where he's good with his irons, should have done better in the final round. Second at Bay Hill. Now returned to a golf course that he's, he's generally brilliant at. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought he was interesting. I didn't, I didn't go there. But he's definitely one that if I can get a little bit bigger on the exchange Wednesday or something, eighties or something, I don't know, um, I'd be quite tempted because he's got the win seventh, nineteenth, and twenty-fifth here. And nineteenth last year when he was defending, he was actually playing better going into the going into the weekend. He was second uh, after the second round. So um, I think there's something there about 
Harris English. But the reason I didn't go with him, Minwoo Lee at 80 to 1. And this is basically, in 2019, Ches Reeve, he was third at the US Open at Pebble Beach, then came here a week later and won. Two years later, Harris English, as I've just said, third at the US Open at Torrey Pines, came here a week later and won. And now Minwoo Lee, fifth at the California US Open. I think he can come here and win. And I get that potentially it's not a course that you think would suit his eye uh, or sort of suit his game, but I, I think, as I just sort of said about Figali, you wouldn't necessarily expect that. And uh, we've seen like the likes of Hostler and um, Figala and people like that. Poston's missed four or five cuts and then comes second year last year. Like I think you can overcome those sort of things if you're just playing well. And if there's anything in that Scottish Open link, he obviously won there in 2021. So he's got the he's got the California US Open Travelers crossover. He's got the Scottish Open win that I like. And then when we talk about his best ever performance in the United States, it was at the Players Championship, which is a sixth, and he was second going into the final round, which is a Pete Dye design at TPC Sawgrass. So I really like Mimuli. I think he's a player full of confidence. We expect him to take a step up. Um, the, ma- the major championship performances have been brilliant. And now I think he's got to try and start contending in these events a bit more regularly to prove his worth. And what better way to do that than to be really confident after a fifth place finish at that the major? I'd have backed him in Germany this week. <laughs> yeah. But he would probably have been 18 to 1, I guess. I have no idea. Yeah. Absolutely no idea. Yeah. I think before the US Open, I think you still would have got I'd be amazing would have got a price. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but um, yeah, I, I like Mimuli. I don't think this is for him, but um, I'm, know, just, I, I'm just I, I'm just like willing to find out. He's improving. There's a there's a change of attitude there. There's um, yeah, uh, he's he's be very interesting for the Scottish Open and the Open this year. I think. Yeah, he's he's pushed. I think by the fact that he's got an elite golfer in his family, Minji Lee, obviously pushing him along. I think there's a healthy rivalry, not too much like pressure and expectation. I think he generally just wants to to continue being the, the best or the second best in the family and, and you know, fight for that. And I really enjoy watching that kind of thing play out. And sometimes their results do correlate weeks and weeks. They, they play together at the same time. So, um, yeah, I liked it. Austin Eckrow, 110 to 1 now. He was 200 to 1 when I tweeted this out this morning. It's not – people don't need to, me to tell them about Austin Eckrow. He's been doing it in front of everyone's face, but I'll give a little bit of a spill. Um, second, 16th, 30th and 10th his last four starts the the second was when he was first after 54 holes uh, Byron Nelson finished second he was ninth at Colonial going into the weekend and finished 16th uh, he was 30, 30th at the Memorial he was 14th going into the final round and he was 10th last week after shooting a 65 in the final round at the US Open um, he's just he's just been brilliant he just looks like a completely different player over the last four or five weeks he's gaining in approach and off the tee he was fifth at the Corellas earlier in the season he looks like one of those people that's suddenly coming of age type thing whether he can find a short game to back it up I don't know but I'm willing to find out he has played here uh, in the past he finished 47th on his debut so I just I just look again like Thigala, Hosler, all those people. I think he's the type of person that can really have a chance to break through here. So I'm going to stick with him. Uh, I was also tempted a little bit, uh, Jace, with Will Gordon, who I think is almost like Austin Eckrow before Austin Eckrow came along, because he was third here on his debut. He shot second round 62 and a final round 64 to finish third there. And then... He's just he's just shown a little bit of form again uh, of late, which caught my eye. So um, he was 24th at 
the Mexico Open, where he was fifth going into the final round. He was 52nd at the Charles Schwab, but he was 25th going into the final round. And he was 18th for the Canadian Open, but he was fifth after round one, 24th after round three as well. So he was consistently in the mix there. Just feel like Gordon's got a little bit more to offer. So I like him around that price as well. But the final bet for me, he's coming again. Another one's coming early today. Uh, Ches Reeve is now 250 to one. I just couldn't get away from it. Again, going back to that third at Pebble Beach and then winning here. He's had 46th, 25th and 8th place finishes at this course since that win. And he had an 11th way before that as well. Three-time PGA Tour winner. They had back-to-back top 11 finishes at Texas Open and the Heritage either side of the Masters. And his form coming into the, you know, he didn't play in the US Open, but going into that way, it was 40th, 40th, 58th, 25th, which doesn't sound great. But when you break it down, he actually shot a back 928 at the Canadian Open, which is a tied lowest nine-hole score of the season. And he was closer to leaders at Colonial uh, going into the weekend. He was seventh after round one, 12th after round two. Then you look at the fact that he's gained strokes on the greens in nine straight events, which is something he generally struggles with. And he was 17th at the PGA Championship and 8th at the Canadian Opening Approach. So overall, I just think Ches Reeve is playing a little bit better than the market had him. Um, and he's returning to a golf course that he loves. So Ches Reeve is the final one for me, Jason, and I think for you as rounding out our cards. Absolutely agree. It's massive. Absolutely huge. As you say, um, it's not like he's suddenly found or we, we thought we've you know we've spoken about people that have suddenly found at the US Open and I think you might have to treat that a little bit carefully but he's found this back at Canadian Open which he obviously he really loves yeah. um, and, and if that means he goes on a run like he did at Texas and Heritage um, where he found plenty of strokes with his irons um, Tita Green was fantastic which is what you're going to need here um, and he repeats form which is very useful. So obviously, um, you look at John Deere, which you know we keep saying, fifth, fifteenth, and eighteenth. Phoenix, which we like, second and fourth. Canada, you've already said he's got loads of form there at Canada. Riviera, he's got three top tens, which is great here. And round here, obviously, the win, the eighth, eleventh um, round here. Um, and if he is back to form, and if he has got his game, Tita Green back, um, yeah, two hundred fifty-one is absolutely huge. I mean, what price did you get earlier? 400. 300, it was 400. I said it was eight places, wasn't it? It was uh, seven. But yeah, it was 350 on the eight places. Absolutely massive. Yeah. I, I I couldn't quite fathom it. I, I expected him to be like 150 and you'd have to have an R about it. But I don't really get why he was so big. I mean, People were actually on him, I think, at the Canadian Open quite a bit because he's been sort of showing these signs yes, of yeah. approach play and, and putting. Um, and, and here he is. And I think this case is actually stronger here. I know obviously he's won the Canadian Open, but I think you know he's won here. So then you've had another week of seeing it as well. I was really impressed with it. So uh, you know what happens when you get too confident about a 250, 400-one well, yeah, shot. But, but it, it don't matter, does it? Matter. No, it doesn't matter. Does it? No. The, the other one, Jason, I thought was catching the eye. Is I've never really been able to get right, and that was probably my only slight hesitancy. But Doug Gim seems to be coming back to form a little bit. Um, so he was 12th going into the weekend at the Valspar, finished 27th. Finished 16th for the Corrales. Uh, he was 54th for the Heritage, but he was 18th going into the weekend. He was 27th for the Wells Fargo, which I quite like. 19th for the Byron Nelson, where he opened with 65, closed with 64. And then he was 12th last time out at the Canadian Open. Then you look at the fact that he has played here uh, in the past. He's got two missed cuts, but he was also 54th, where he was 11th going into the weekend. 
And when you think about Doug Kim, you think about how well he's played at the Players' Championship in the past, which is obviously Pete Dye. I, I was just I just thought there was a bit about Doug Kim. We, like, there was a lot of talk about him being sort of one of those ones that was due a win at some point. Uh, I think that talk's obviously gone, which probably rightly so, because he's, he's been a bit of a non-factor for a while now. But I still think there's definitely something to offer, and he's now gained an approach off the tee and around the green. Uh, in three straight events, he's he's lost strokes in passing in two of those, which is clearly the problem. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's I think there's a player still in Doug Kim. When you look at his best results, Players Championship fifth, uh, sixth, sorry, American Express fifth, and then I mentioned that Scottish Open potential link. He was 16th there in 2022, played really well for a good period of time there. Just strikes me again another good finish at the Players Championship where he sort of combust after a few rounds. Heritage good form there so I think Doug Kim's got a little bit to offer again maybe someone just to target on the machine he's 300 to 1 with eight places if you want to take a punt each way uh, for his best finish of the season fair enough two that's two it that I've caught my eye and this is purely price wise yeah Kurt um, Kitayama at 200 to 1 yeah I mean, Scottish just, Open second behind Sander just you know that that to me seems I, I, I don't know I, I Obviously, it's priced on figures and the, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But that that does seem huge, given it wasn't that long ago that he won at Bay Hill, and he was fourth at the PGA four runs ago. He was fourth at the PGA. Yeah, but it seems to be Hills are taking a bit of a stance on quite a lot of players this week at eight Two places. One, I mean, that's oh, hmm. okay, whatever. And the other one, which you're not going to back because nobody can back him at the moment. Billy Horshaw is three hundred to one. Is he really three hundred to one? Yeah. I mean that's. I mean, you look at somebody like um, I think Webb is the same price. Yeah, Webb is no Webb Simpson is shorter than Billy Horschel. Yeah. <laughs> now, both of these Webb Simpson, we were taking twelve and fourteen yeah. for the Wyndham not that long ago. Um, I mean, you wouldn't back him now. And Billy Horschel, obviously, you like a lot, and you. you know, oh, of course, you like. I mean, it's just massive, isn't it? It's just. I know he's gone and 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 whatever, but three hundred to one gives you. Roughly 15 years of Billy Horshaw weekly. He uh, he he does. He is the type of player though, that I think can just find it out of nowhere, isn't he? Mm. I, I, you could see him finish fifth, couldn't you? Yeah, and he like, opened for 67 at Colonial. He was seventh after round one. Then last week he was 107th after day one. Shot 67 in round two to make the cut uh, and finished 43rd. So you know he, he you know he made the latter stage of the match play. Yeah. Um, it's, it's oh, just, oh, just it's unbelievable. Oh, just again, it's purely a price thing, but it's like people go mental because because Justin Thomas is totally out of fifty. Yeah, ridiculous. I mean, Hall, I know the whole show's got this this everybody hates him thing now, right? Yeah. Uh, which is fair enough. Um, but it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, those two, those I think of, of outside of the bets, I think um, those two and Harris English would be. They're tempting. They're tempting because, you know, what do you need on those those prices anyway? Yeah, absolutely. I think the other one, I was tempted to see what he would offer because he's been out for a little while. Was it Kevin Yu? Because he kept popping up in a lot of like... Yeah, he does. He comes the, up the, the stats, doesn't he? He's off the tees, doesn't he? Because he was good earlier in the season. And I just wonder how good he is. I mean, when you've had this long out, probably not very good is probably the answer. Um, but I just I just wonder, he's another 300-to-1 shot. 
I, I don't think I think the trouble is like the trouble as you see it is a bit of a long shot paradise and it's an elevated event now so it probably all changes um but to that point Jace, I, I basically looked at it and I was like what two you know how many times have we had an elevated event and we've had a bit of a surprise winner where well, we had Kurt Kitsiyama win the Bay Hill you've just mentioned at 200s one and Wyndham Clark was the other one who's just won the US Open so things yeah. things can very like you perceptions know, they, can look, very quickly look, change look, can't they well, like we said, there really, I mean, forget it as a major, but there really isn't that much in it. Mm. You know, your Kevin Hughes, both the Woos are playing well. Maybe you just want to yeah. do the tricast. You, you, woo, woo. <laughs> um, you know, so he's not playing this week, but Carl, Carl Yuan, or whatever he's called, Carl Yuan, fantastic player. Yeah, there isn't that much between, say, the tenth best player in this field and the fiftieth, sixtieth, fit in official terms. Yeah, um, it, it really does. We've just seen it happen. I mean, we know Wyndham Clark can play, but he's done nothing in a major for years. Yes, he won uh, uh, Wells Fargo. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I thought he'd go well. Well, that's, but but that's you why said, you were hesitant. If you, said to me, if you said to me that behind him, McElroy, Scheffler, I um, can't remember who else there was, you know, oh, it's, well, yeah. it, it doesn't take that much to do it. A twist of fate can have. Eric Van Ruyen, you know, four-time winner. You know what I mean? It's, 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 you know, Matt Wallace. You know, it's. You look at somebody like him and the amount of chances he's actually had. And had he just had that, you know, three or four putts drop in, where would he be now? You know, it's. It really is such a very, very fine line um, between them all. Yeah, no, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I, I think there's a, a, a lot of big prizes. Mackenzie Hughes at 312, I thought was big. I mean, this is a guy that's already won this season. Um, and he's got a couple of decent eye catching rounds here. Um, you can go on forever, I think. But oh, that's interesting. Now, yes, that's right. Now, have you done Matt's podcast yet? No, uh, yes. Now, did he put um, Thor Bjornsson up? He did say he didn't mention him, yeah. He didn't, he, put him, yeah. he didn't put him up. Yeah, fourth no. last year. Yeah. Fourth last year. He he amongst others thinks he's like the God's gift. Nuts. Yeah. yeah. And he I remember him being fourth last year. That's where he fought, first caught everybody's eye. Well his um, his coach reckons because his coach at Stanford, so this is a person that's seen I don't know who he would have seen over the years, but I don't think he was there with um Tiger obviously, but he reckons that Michael Thorbjornson is the best driver of a golf ball he's ever seen. I don't know, that's a little bit of like um, anecdotal because he's coming out as an amateur, but I don't know why you would say it if you didn't believe it. No, no reason at all. I think mm. I've heard it before. Um, yeah, it's, it's, he's fascinating. Um, but then, and then again, as will Gordon Sargent be when he turns pro. Yeah. He looks, he does look the, the, the nuts. Um, is he no, playing this week? He's not, is he? No, he's not. I thought. I thought. Funny enough, he might do. Um, no, because but um because it's Fjordjonsson, Aberg, and there was someone else. I can't remember who the other one was that's in it. But there's there's three of them in there anyway. Because they do this every year, don't they? The travellers. That's what they're very good at. And I think a nod as well, Jace. Just before we go off here, like the two, the two players to come off the PGA Tour University thing, um for their first starts on the Corn Ferry, have both won. So we had that the Belgian yeah. guy, Chechashar, or whatever his name was. Um, and then Ricky Castillo won yesterday. Both on their first Corn Ferry Tour starts. Oh, there we are, see. 
So all of a sudden, this looks like a very positive pathway. But they basically, so it's Adrian de Montdichessart was the, the Belgian player who he won his first start on the Corn Ferry Tour and then got in a playoff with Ricky Castillo yesterday and, and finished second. And then Castillo won on his first start. It's utterly ridiculous how quick they're coming out. And this this was the thing that was led by uh, Aberg. Bennett was fifth. Um, don't know whether Gordon Sargent was qualified for this or whatever, but he's not on the top of the list anyway. Um, but yeah, it, it's just amazing how quickly these players. And I actually reckon they'll scrap that once all this uh, this partnership thing goes through. But that was a really encouraging thing. There's Never too, never too soon for these talented players to win. I think these days um, is is the line you've got to take. So, um, be interesting to see what happens on the corn ferry over the next few weeks. Absolutely, that's me done, mate. That's me. That is me officially done for the day. Uh, anything else you want to add? No, no, all good. Cool, excellent. Right, let me summarise my picks then. So for the BMW International Open. I've got Pablo Larraf about 33 to 1, Marcel Schneider at 40 to 1 with the seven places. I've got Paul Waring at 66 to 1, seven places. For the interest of the podcast, I'm going to put Frederick LaCroix up because I do think he's going to play really well. He's 66 to 1, but I obviously tweeted him out 100 to 1 earlier. Uh, Alejandro Del Rey at 100 to 1. Uh, so those are my picks for the BMW International Open. Jace, your picks for me in Germany? Uh, Pablo, by far, the best bet there. And in order, uh, Marcel Seen, uh, Xander, Guido and Sharma. Yeah, love that. And then for me in the Travelers Championship, I'm going with Russell Henley at 40 to 1, eight places. Uh, Ju Young Kim, 45 to 1, eight places. Minwoo Lee, 80 to 1 with the six places. Austin Ekro, 110 to 1 with the eight places. Or he might be 100 to 1, eight places. And uh, Ches Reeve is now into 250 to 1, eight places. But I still think there is some value in that. Uh, Jason, your picks at Trailer Championship. So you really put it down. Uh, <laughs> probably a few times for posing. So uh, I will go with Scotty, who's the best player in the world. Um, and I think we'll win this. Um, Tom Kim. The Heathy Gala and Ches Reevy, who I still think is actually huge at 251. I do, yeah. I still think there's plenty of value in that. I wonder what he's actually, I'm assuming he's probably coming shorter than that. I mean, it's strange with the amount of uh, popularity on him, but it just goes to show. Apparently, there's 342 to 1 about him on the exchange. Everyone's going to have oh. a look at that. Um, I'm definitely going to look at Harris English on the exchange. If he gets out to kind of like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to get to anything like 100 to 1, but if he gets to. 80, 90. Uh, I think he's a, I think he's a bet. Oh, Sorry, mate. I, I will go along with the, 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 the um, uh, whoever it was, and, and if any of those are early starters as well. Yeah. Look at them. Uh, oh, Harris English is ninety to one on the exchange. Oh, Jesus. is one hundred and ten to one. Yeah, well, I'd rather be on English on this course personally. Yeah, of course I would. Yeah. Uh, 90 to 1 I'm surprised by that at all and then Reeve's actually 390 to 1 well, I think mm-hmm. I might have to go back on the old uh, W money at court the odds thing that's it we'll get that we'll get that going in because I enjoyed you saying that exactly. in the podcast um, maybe we'll have a little back to lay feature coming up in the next couple of weeks and uh, mention some players we like on that if we're going to get these elevated events again Billy Horschel 540 to 1 in the exchange oh. you can double your money 
I would do double your money and it'll probably drift as well. So he's going to hit 600, 650. Yeah. Yeah. So double your money at a quarter of the odds. What's he got to reach? 150 away. Yeah. Not a lot, is it? No. They were doing and it. They would do it if it goes to under 3.5, wouldn't they? Well, bear in mind that, that uh, you know, you put your lay in before. I know, you know, you shouldn't do all this nonsense, but, you know, you put your lay in because he'll be doing something on the other side of the course, yeah. which nobody will see. TV coverage will be 10 minutes behind anyway. Um, you just put it in. You just put it in. And, and, you know, I've said it before, you know, they get laid and then you suddenly look and go, they're eight over. How on earth did somebody back him at 150? Because they were, th- like you say, they were three under through five and then uh, ended up eight over or whatever. And, and who gives a shit? Because you've, you've done what you've got to do. And if they do play well, you've still got a nice bet going anyway. Yeah. Um, that's, that's just fucking nonsense. Kurt, Kurt Kissy Armour's 380 to one, Jess. See, all these have got to be worth a little bit, haven't they? Yeah, Doug Gim, 530. Just throw, no. a, few, uh, throw yes. a few pounds at these. Yeah, well. <laughs> Can't too far, are we? Yeah, um, I'm not doing Doug Gim era. I'm not doing Doug Gim. He won't never win. Never win. <laughs> he, won't um, win. he won't win on the PJ Tour. There you go. There's the bowl call of the day. Um I don't think it's that bold, is it really? But it's, it's, it's the call of the day. <laughs> I think that's it, mate. I, think, I don't know how we've managed to get through all that after uh, after a tired start to the day. But um, thank you as ever, mate, for joining. Uh, hopefully we've given enough information out there that people make some informed decisions on the betting this week. Hopefully some people were uh, bullish on Wyndham Clark after your top 20 call and, and backed him each way in to win. Uh, congratulations to those that did. Off the top of my head, Steve Palmer and um, Niall Lyons. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Rawlings, sorry, not Steve Palmer. Yeah, Steve. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's it. I think that's all we've got time for, uh, looking at the time, 11, 11 o'clock at night. Um, Jace, thank you as ever, mate, and uh, we'll catch up with you during the week.